again. It's Jan Bedell, the Little Giant Steps Brain Coach. Welcome back for this week's Brain Coach Tip. It has been such a rewarding experience to have seen thousands of families incorporate the neurodevelopmental approach for life. The effort of these families has resulted in lives being changed and potential unlocked. All of this was made possible through the use of products and programs from Little Giant Steps. I've been privileged to speak to parents in many homeschool book fairs across the U.S. These parents often come back the next year to report remarkable progress for their struggling learner or tremendous advancement for their typical or gifted children. Please share this podcast with your friends and family. You just never know when this type of information might be key for another family in need. Today, you will be joining me on the road at a homeschool book fair where I share with the conference attendees the information that can create a more positive learning environment. Be sure to get the handout at Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Look for Brain Coach Tip number 31 so you will have the same information they had. And I did put a handout here for you so that you don't have to madly write. If you learn by writing, go ahead and write. Otherwise, just relax and know that those prompts that will prompt your memory are going to be there on the handout. We're going to talk about creating a positive learning environment today. I am Jan Bedell, and I am what's called a neurodevelopmentalist. And that's a big, long word that, if you break it down, is real easy. Neuro having to do with the brain. And development is how the brain develops and how to make it work better so that you release the full potential of your child. It's kind of a strange name for my company, Little Giant Steps, but I'll tell you what it stands for. It stands for Little Neurodevelopmental Steps Equal Giant Strides in Functional Ability. So when you stimulate the brain, this is like a little brain cell. (laughs) These are the dendrites. This is what grows in the brain. And these are the axons which connect to the dendrites through a little synapse so that you build pathways of function. So we're going to be talking a little bit about building function and some things that you may not have thought about that may be causing your environment to be negative. Our goals today are to explore many possible reasons why the environment might be negative and then tips on how to change that and also give you some resources as well. First of all, you have to determine why your environment is negative. You have to determine what the cause is. And every situation has has a cause. There's several different ones that I'm going to talk about today. One is metabolic, and this is the chemistry of the body. And then another one is neurodevelopment, is how is the child's brain organized so that they can do what you've asked them to do. And then, of course, there's a sin nature, and most of you probably were expecting this to be in here and maybe not the other. But we really have to look at the broad picture of why these things are happening. So metabolic issues, we're going to talk about that first. Uh, This is the internal environment. This environment is beyond the child's outward control. So if the chemistry is off in their brain, then they're not going to be able to have control of that. And some of these actually cause some of the symptoms on the ADD checklist. 
they can't sit still, they can't stay on task, and it could be this metabolic reason. Now what are some of the metabolic issues that happen? One could be allergies. I had a situation where my dad was telling me where he was in a, he had allergies, and so he was in this waiting room to see the allergist, and they were coming out and doing allergy tests on this little boy that was in the room. He said it's sweet little six-year-old boy and they'd come out and prick him and you know weigh their time and then they'd come out and prick him again and he said everything was really cool until we got to tomatoes. And they pricked him for tomatoes and he said if I had not seen it myself I would not have believed it was the same child. He just went ballistic. He was clawing and screaming and, and uh, hitting his mom and it, it was really really bad so you've got to consider that as well because those can be even on the ADHD checklist some of these things so if a child is hypoglycemic that means their blood sugar goes down if you see them getting really grumpy at a certain period of time during the day between meals they probably need a little snack like a protein snack especially and hypothyroidism we're seeing this causing a lot of issues as well. This is where the thyroid is just not working the way it's supposed to and oftentimes it tests okay but you've got all kinds of symptoms. They're cold all the time and lethargic oftentimes. So we call this subclinical. In other words it's not showing up on the test but it's definitely happening. Other metabolic issues could be in the digestive system. These can be candida. We have a lot of antibiotics that we're using in our culture and it often sets up a candida type situation in your gut because you've killed all the, you know, you've killed the bad stuff but you've killed the good stuff too. So it could be bacterial overgrowth, there could be malabsorption, and something that I don't have in here that, that I just thought of would be worms. You know, if they have gotten worms in their, in their gut, then especially at the full moon, <laughs> when they reproduce uh, pretty dramatically, if you see that kind of, kind of ebb and flow of behavior, then it could be because of worms. Now, Doris Rapp, she's a doctor that studies allergies, so you want to look her up, especially on YouTube, and if if you have a situation where maybe in-laws don't think that sugar is a bad thing and you do and they get sugar over there, <laughs> you might let them just keep them when they, <laughs> when they give them that. But there's some particular things that are triggers to the metabolic issues. That would be sugar, oftentimes dairy, wheat is often, or gluten is often a trigger as well. But Doris Rapp, she has a way to help you understand about allergies and ways to treat these symptoms of ADD and that kind of thing without medications. So do a search for her on YouTube and you'll see one of these cases where they pricked a child and how different he was afterwards and you can see that this is a very valid situation. So if you have a child that's really negative and having a lot of behavior issues you might consider a food diary. So you're going to write down all the things that they eat at different times and then if you see behaviors come around then you'll have it written down and you can say oh I'm going to check this food and see if that's a correlation to that behavior and then you can do an elimination diet with this 
where you're just taking out certain foods. Like if you see that that's happening at a certain time, you just take out those things and see if you see a different behavior. The other things, and I think I put this on your handout, that there's different diets that you can try. There's a GAPS diet, a fine gold diet. The fine gold is not as restrictive, but it basically takes out sugar, artificial color sweeteners, that kind of thing. There's a specific carbohydrate diet that you might want to look at. And then if your child has any of the symptoms on, a, on the spectrum, like the autism spectrum, or it's just a really good diet for everybody for health, it's called the Spectrum Balance Protocol. And that is a really good diet that can help with these gut issues and also any metabolic issues that are going on. We talked about the metabolic. Now we're going to talk just briefly about the sin nature, and then we're going to come back to that. The sin nature is an external environment. The child does have control over this, unless it's a chemical issue. So changing the behavior of a child, it really starts with you. So I'm going to give you a tool to help you correct a negative environment, and it's called a daily positive and negative chart. Children crave intensity, and they're going to get it from you one way or the other. So if you find that your child just takes, you know, you have to go up an octave and up and up and up, and then you get them to do what you, you want them to do, it may be because they're just craving that intensity. So what you want to do is turn it around so that you're intense on the positive instead of intense on the negative. Our whole society is pretty much intense on the negative, if you think about it. You know, spilt milk at the table. Oh, you know, here we go again. Spilt milk. Can't we go through one meal without spilt milk? You know, that's, that's kind of the reaction we have. But what happens when there's a meal without spilt milk? You should be standing up going, all right, a whole meal without spilt milk. This is so fantastic. Woo! And again, we're supposed to be 10 to 1 on the positive versus the negative. Now this is very difficult when you have a child that's got some real strong behavior problems or maybe some symptoms of ADD or, or other learning challenges. But you may have to just be lame about it to get this turned around because, and don't, don't be too concerned if you're 10 to 1 the other way. You just have to keep working toward, you know, 1 to 1 and then keep working toward, toward the positive. Now this chart is going to help you. You're going to take a little clipboard and your assignment is to write down all the names of the children in your family and include your husband on this list too because you want to have a positive environment for him as well. And you're going to put a plus and a minus for each day of the week. Now I just put two days here to give you an illustration. So you're going to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday all the way through the week. And then a weekly total at the end. Now you don't have to do this real often. But if you just take the same two hours, say, of a day. And you're going to carry this clipboard around and you're going to mark all of your interactions with your children. So if it's negative... If you walk in and go, what is going on here? So you have to give your little self a little mark on the negative. And then if you go and somebody's doing something, thanks for taking the dish to the sink. After you got through, you know, then you give yourself a mark on that. Now, some people say, well, you know, if I've got this chart in front of me and uh, I'm going to be graded on this, 
have to be looking at this. So I'm going to be extra nice because I want more on the plus side. Exactly. We're changing your behavior with this. And so it brings your awareness up on ways that you can really help your child. Now, if, if things are real negative and you have a situation where the kids are sitting together watching TV maybe and they're doing pretty good, you know, they're not bopping each other or anything and you just go in and say, whoa, you've been sitting so nicely next to your sibling. Well, you know, typically you wouldn't think to say that. You would just be going, you know, five minutes of, of peace around here. But if you'll start thinking about the intensity on the positive, you'll start seeing your kids want to do more positive. I mean, we have this little system with beans, and if they do something extra special outside of what's typically required, then they get a bean in the in the jar. And my granddaughter's counting her beans, you know, she's got 42 beans. And, and then when it gets to a certain place, something wonderful happens. So just as an incentive, that's another way that you can just really incentivize them to do something outside of being their typical little sin natures. So any questions about this, how you use this? I would do it for several days or maybe once a week to just kind of check yourself and see how it's going and just start looking for those positive things. Yes? So she doesn't like the, uh, she's, she's saying that she doesn't want that. Okay, so well that is a fabulous lead in into what I was just about to say. Because, you know, she's saying, oh mom, don't say that. Well, my daughter Alyssa, I had kind of gotten the idea about this and her, learned about this positive intensity. And we had homeschooled her for about five years and then she wanted to go to a private school. So we were supporting her in that and she was working really hard. She came home the first six weeks with like all A's. And so I heard about this and I thought, I'm going to do something really intense. So I got pots and pan lids out from under the sink and I'm just going around the house, you know, whoa, this is so great. We got straight A's. I'm singing this little song and, you know, if you knew how I sing, you would, she would probably want me to stop. But anyway, um, I'm just singing and singing and just, we had a little house, you know, you could go all the way through and I'm just doing this little parade and she's going behind me. She's 12 years old, you know, she's going, mom. Come on, we, Mom, will you just please stop that? I mean, you're being ridiculous. And I thought, hmm, that didn't work quite as well as I thought it was going to work. And so uh, the next time, report card, she got straight A's again. And I thought, okay, well, this is great. You know, I complimented her and told her it was a great job. And then another six weeks rolls around. And I told her how wonderful she was doing and everything. And she said, you know, Mom, you haven't had any bands lately. And I said, you told me you didn't like that and to stop it and all that. She said, I kind of liked it. So I think that, you know, there's some message that she's got planted in her head that, that, that that's not good. But I think that if you go ahead and do that and make sure you're doing it for everybody else too. So she sees that, oh, mom's complimenting them and complimenting me. That I think that will probably turn around. So give it a try. All right, so the neurodevelopmental aspect is the internal environment. And this environment is also beyond a child's outward control. So if they've got primitive reflexes that didn't ever get integrated when they were little and they're slumping in their chair, that's like just hitting your knee and it bumps out, you know. 
um, they can't help it. So we have to get to the root cause of all of these things. Another example is if you've got a child that's hypersensitive to sound and they just act really negative and have terrible negative behavior in noisy environments. Well, that's not their fault. They can't do it. They are on overload in their sensory system and they're just on survival mode. So it's kind of like a fire alarm going off in their head all the time, warning, warning. And so the cortisol and the adrenaline and all those chemicals go up and, and they're just like, oh, I gotta get out of here. Or if they yell at their siblings, you know, I can't concentrate. You know, you're talking all the time or whatever. So those are very negative things that you would say were kind of rude, but it could be just because of, of that. And I'm going to talk about that more at the absent-minded professor. So if you have a child that's got some hypersensitivity there to auditory, you might want to come to that one. Oh. I just wanted to remind you, we have a little brochure here that I gave you when you came in, and you know, there's lots of choices for you to go to different talks and stuff, and I just thought I would just pick out the best ones and put them right here for your easy, your easy reference. Well, the best ones in my opinion. These are the ones I'm doing. So, <laughs> all right. Finding the root cause. The environment is maybe negative because you are frustrated with one particular child. Now your positive and negative chart will reveal that. You can see, oh wow, I'm really on Johnny and Mary, not so much. Now that's what's going to be revealed on your little chart that you do for yourself. You might ask yourself these particular questions. Am I constantly repeating instructions? Am I repeating information that I thought was already mastered? Am I having to constantly stay on a child to keep him on task? That can be pretty negative. Are you buying one phonics program after the other because they're having a struggle with reading? Or if you wonder if your child may have ADD. I believe the root cause of those symptoms, many of those, are auditory processing. Auditory processing is a huge factor in age-appropriate behavior, so let's say you've got a 12-year-old and he can't remember to do his chores. If he's processing more like a 5-year-old, you wouldn't expect a 5-year-old to do 12-year-old chores, right? So you've got to look at that. If he's developmentally 5, then you are upset with him all the time with, about something that he can't control. I'm going to give you a way to fix that as well. So if the child doesn't seem to have the ability to remember what you say, you might find yourself saying, I told you to, <laughs> I just told you to, and he didn't do it. Well, following directions is a real big issue if processing is a problem because they can't hold the pieces together. So let's say you say to Johnny, go upstairs and get your shoes and socks. Grab your coat, we've got to go. He trots up upstairs, you're getting everything ready, and you're ready, and there's no Johnny. And now you're mad because he's not following directions, right? So you stomping up the stairs and you look at him like, where are you and what are you doing? And he gives you this little deer in the headlight look like, was I supposed to be doing something? Oh, you just want to pinch his little ears off because you told him all the things you needed him to do. Well, he was upstairs, right? He might even have his shoes and socks. After that, it was wah, 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 wah. He saw your mouth moving, he heard some words come in, but he couldn't hold those pieces together to get that back out. 
this auditory processing, many of the symptoms on the ADD checklist are from this low processing ability. The, as far as phonics, if you're, phon if you're frustrated by, by teaching phonics, don't go buy another phonics program. I know that you guys think that it's right up there with the King James Version, you know. Nothing else will do but phonics. But there really is another way to teach reading while you're working on processing so they can use the phonics. Because phonics is an auditory approach. You have to hold this piece, this piece, this piece of information together and the rule oftentimes to get that word out. So that's a lot of holding pieces together. If they can't do that, it's just going to be frustrating for everybody. I have written a book called The Best Kept Secret in Education. It's just a little pamphlet that gives you all kinds of things to do to help you work on this skill of auditory processing because our society has become very visual and low on processing and our labeling of children has gone up and I believe there's a direct correlation. So here's our tip, our brain coach tip. They call me the brain coach, I forgot to tell you that. Auditory, good auditory processing is going to equal good phonics ability. So at 2 o'clock, I'm going to teach you how to test for processing and what to do about it. Or you can come by the booth at the top of any hour and Ruth will teach you that because I've got talks all day today. And so she'll be in the booth. She's a neurodevelopmentalist too. She'll be in there teaching you how to test for this and giving you a free test kit. And there's the book that I was telling you about that can help you know some things to do about this. Because I'm telling you, your environment will be so much more positive when your child can hold pieces together for cause and effect. You know, if I do this, this is going to happen. That's going to be real beneficial to them not doing some of the things that they're currently doing. Now another root cause is tactile issues. If you are always constantly saying, you're being too rough with your brother, well, it could be because they don't sense pain. And so since they don't know that they're causing pain, then they just are too rough with their siblings. They could be upset when somebody touches them, like just a little brush of a sibling. Ow, why are you touching me like that? Well, their brain is on sensory overload because that little touch was interpreted as, as pain, but it shouldn't be. So everybody else is going like, he just barely touched you, what's your problem? You know, and they're all ragging on him, but if that's an issue, then that's going to be something that is not workable for him. So we have to normalize that sensory system. One of the ways to do it, if you have a child with hypersensitivity to touch, is you just take a little rough exfoliating glove or something and rub just real lightly on his arms and legs, hands and feet. So just real lightly on, the, these are like your light receptors. Now if he's got problems with this, he's going to think you're killing him. You know, just like, oh, what are you doing? But over time, you're going to build those dendrites, build those right connections so that that is a pathway that's working correctly instead of all messed up. And then if they can't sit still, this could be a tactile thing. You know, the tag's bothering them in their clothes and that belt is like this. And, or if they could just change their socks again and just fix that, that line on their socks. And you're looking over there going, oh my gosh, they can't even sit still for a minute. I must have a hyperactive child. But really what you have is a child that's hypersensitive.
And they can't sit still because, again, they're on sensory overload. Now, I do have a neurodevelopmental DVD that teaches you about a lot of these things. It teaches you about the neurodevelopmental approach, how to test for things, and what to do about it. And you can look at that at our booth. We have free articles at our booth and also curriculum recommendations for you if your child's having struggles, especially with phonics and what to do there. Now, another root cause that's neurodevelopmental is a disorganized brain. The brain is designed to go through certain developmental steps, and our society is doing things that cause them not to. And so it's causing a lot of neurological disorganization, or what I call inefficiency. So you can have a really smart kiddo that has a disorganized brain, and you send them in to clean their room, and you walk by 30 minutes later, and it's a bigger mess than when you send them in there. Ever had that happen? Well. This is because you're expecting organized behavior from a disorganized brain. doesn't work too well. So you have, find yourself going by saying, okay, now if it's clothing, put the clothing away. You know, you come back in a little bit. Okay, toys, toys are next. So you're organizing it for them, but they just walk in there, and their brain is so disorganized they don't have a clue where to start or what to do without your help. Now I'm going to teach about all of these levels of brain organization and really this is the foundational aspect of our brain for the ability to think in organized manner, the ability to do all your different activities in an organized way, organizing your papers when you're older, organizing your movement, all of that has to do with this level of brain organization. Riding the reading roller coaster of dyslexia is at noon today, so I can share all about that and what to check for and, and some things to do about it too. Now, one thing that's very different about our approach than I've seen anywhere else is we concentrate on inputting information instead of outputting. Inputting is information coming into the brain. Outputting is information coming out of the brain. Now, every curriculum that you look at pretty much has these blanks, all right? Each one of those blanks is a test to see if they know the information yet because they're expected to fill in those, those blanks. That is outputting information. So it's, there's a big difference in inputting and outputting. One thing that I often recommend to people when they relate to what I'm talking about here, they can't follow directions, their brain is all disorganized, and there's lots of negative because of what I described in the neurodevelopment as far as tactile and all of that, is something we call um, a family brain training kit. So a, the summer, taking the summer to do some little exercises, two minutes here, two minutes there, you know, a, a minute here, a minute there, five minutes here, for training the brain can make all the difference in your next year. So if you have an organized brain, that's because you've gone through those specific steps, and this gives you the activities to do so that they do go through those steps. Even though they're a little bit older, it's good to have that brain organized at any age. And then it's going to work on auditory and visual short-term memory, and it's going to give you techniques to help your math and your reading go better. 
It's also going to help you know why information is, doesn't seem to be coming out as quickly as it should, or sometimes they can't even find it at all, especially on a test. So another way to organize the information, like in a good filing system, instead of having it all over the place where they can't access it. I only have time in the podcast format to share part of this strategic workshop, so stay tuned to the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network for part two of Create a Positive Learning Environment. Don't forget the handout located at braincoachtips.com where you will see the full archive of neurodevelopmental podcasts. This one is 31 and 32 for Creating a Positive Learning Environment. Next week we'll finish up the workshop Create a Positive Learning Environment with strategies to convert that sin nature into self-control something everyone's looking for. Until then, it's the Brain Coach signing off and reminding you that neurodevelopment is a dynamic approach to life at any age. So think differently. The solution is not in the problem.